it is time to act. Welcome to episode 74 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, thank you and welcome back. And if you're new, allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not go follow me on Twitter? Reach out to me there, tweet at me, DM me, whatever you've got questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, topics for the show as it relates to Overwatch, the Overwatch League, Overwatch 2, or whatever in the video game landscape. I am happy to talk about it on the show. But that's enough about me. We've got a show to get to. So you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. Now, I also encourage you, if you enjoy the sound of my voice, to check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast available on podcast services everywhere. Ready, Set, Pwn is your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant related, and I am, of course, the third chair on that podcast with my hosts, Chris and Alex. Now, on today's episode of One Man Watchpoint, the Toronto Defiant are causing a stir while the spark and fuel are set to lead the charge into the kickoff clash. So without further ado, let's dive on in. Join me! Alright, so our first story, we're actually going to do a little bit of a uh, PSA here, of course. As you know from past episodes, the Overwatch Anniversary Remix Volume 2 event is currently ongoing. It kicked off on May 17th and it ends on June 7th. So, at the time you're hearing this, you've got about one week left. So, let's take a look at what is going on right now. Um, you will be hearing this on June 1st, which means we are in a Overwatch Year of the Tiger event with some Capture the Flag, Capture the Flag Blitz, and Bounty Hunter. After that, on June 2nd, we'll be going back to the archives with Uprising Story, Retribution Story, Storm Rising Story, as well as a couple of special modes for each of those. June 3rd continues the Archives event with Bulletproof Barriers, Molten Cores, Glass Cannon, Sympathy Gain, Surgical Strike, Close Quarters, Thunderstorm, Blood Moon Rising, and Storm Raging, if you aren't aware. Those are all a bunch of the special modes of the uh, Overwatch Archives events, so get in there and get those. June 4th sees a return to the Summer Games with Lucio Ball and Lucio Ball Remix. June 5th sees a return to the Overwatch Halloween Terror event with Junkenstein's Revenge and Junkenstein's Endless. Then, on our second to last day we continue the halloween terror with uh some of the special modes vengeful ghost volatile zomnix mystery swap frenzied stampede three they were and shocking surprise and finally the event concludes with a revisitation of the winter wonderland event snowball deathmatch maze snowball offensive yeti hunter and the freeze thaw elimination so of course at the time of recording this you could be playing to earn the epic Mardi Gras Ash skin. However, by the time you're hearing this, your chances will already be out to uh, or past to earn that, as well as the legendary Dr. Zeigler Mercy skin. However, we will be entering week three, where you can play nine games to win the Maestro Sigma player icon, 18 games to win the Maestro emote, and of course, 27 games played will get you the legendary Maestro Sigma skin. Uh, one of the, a pretty cool one for Sigma, if you do ask me. Uh, which is why you're here. I, I dig this one. So as I mentioned, uh, this will be the final week of the event, and then it will be going away. Um, of course, you'll be saying goodbye to the Dark Wolf Hanzo, the Hydra Sombra, Neon Cat... Uh, sorry, I did this last time too. Hydra Symmetra and Neon Cat Sombra, the Night Owl Ana, the Noxious uh, Roadhog, the Poison Dart Lucio, the 
uh, and that's all of them. I was about to keep going with uh, the the, re or the the recolored skins there, but I don't need to because those are volume one. So I digress. You'll be losing access to all of those, um, missing out on them if you didn't already get them, as well as a bunch of uh, other epic, legendary, etc. skins that are available right now. However, the branding of the remix event does make me think that they're going to be doing this throughout the year. So I think this is volume two, and I suspect we'll be getting a volume three at some point with some more remixed skins, uh, you know, who knows, they, they went light the first time around, they went dark the second time around, who knows, maybe they'll, maybe they'll just kind of half and half it, maybe they'll flip back to white, maybe they'll go a completely different color scheme, who knows, but I digress, I like, uh, I like the skins that they're putting out for these at least, um, and the challenges they're doing, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there, but this is your PSA to get in there and get those wins for the last of the Volume 2 Remix event. Now, let's move on to our first actual news story, which is going to take us over to Dexerto.com with an article by Aaron Spack posted on May 25th, which reads, Sources, Muse and Finale request trades from Owl Team Toronto Defiant. The news will come as a surprise for Defiant fans after the Toronto-based franchise made a big push towards their key targets during the offseason, often paying above market value to ensure they could field a competitive team in the Overwatch League. Multiple sources have told Dexerto that a number of incidents behind the scenes have caused instability in the Defiant camp in recent weeks. Muse's relationship with head coach KDG has deteriorated to a breaking point, with the tank player submitting a trade request following an argument between the pair. Meanwhile, Finale's trade request uh, is believed to be related to his lack of playing time with the team. After beginning the season alongside DPS star Hisu, Finale found himself behind although in the team's pecking order in recent weeks. While the market is currently full of potential tank replacements, it may be hard for Toronto to find a suitable replacement for Muse, who joined the organization from the Los Angeles Gladiators. Overwatch League teams are still adjusting to the game's 5v5 team size, with tank players now having to cover heroes previously known as main tanks and off tanks. The Defiant have had an uninspired start to their 2020 season, with the team currently sitting in 7th place in the Kickoff Clash West standings, with a 3-2 record. They will face the New York Excelsior on May 27th in their final qualifier match, looking to seal their place in the main tournament, which will be held at the Esports Stadium Arlington between June 2nd to June 5th. So, let's talk about this. Obviously, this came out uh, last week on the 25th. Uh, what, what day was that? Like, uh, Wednesday? Thursday? Wednesday. Um, and there was a lot of hullabaloo about this amongst the uh, Toronto fan base. Now, obviously, I consider myself to be a part of that, so I am a little maybe closer to the situation than a lot of people. Um, for instance, I, I roll my eyes there at the end of the article when Aaron says the Defiant have had an uninspired start to their season uh, sitting at 3-2 and two because I actually think that's performing quite well especially when you look at the the landscape around them and in fact i mean this past weekend they obviously got another win against the uh, new york excelsior putting that them at four and two and sitting comfortably in sixth place in the west so you know a, a bit of my personal bias comes in there um where I, like i say I, I roll my eyes at that uninspired start because if you ask me any of the teams six and above are off to a good start I would say uninspired would be if you're sitting even. Um, so seven and eighth, where we have the Atlanta Rain and Washington Justice, respectively, are both sitting at three and three. And in ninth, the London Spitfire are also sitting at three and three. So anyways, I digress. Uh, I just wanted to kind of get that out there that I am a Toronto Defiant fan. Um, and so I do read read into this a little bit and, and roll my eyes, as I say there. But I digress. When this came out, um, it was a little bit shocking to see. Um, there, was, there was more drama directly within the Toronto community of uh, sort of creators, if you will. Um, 
than you know is talked about in this article because the point of this article was to get the news out there um so i'm gonna put all that aside because i don't want to talk about that but what i want to talk about here is aaron reporting on this so aaron uh at halo of thoughts of course well-known uh overwatch league uh leaker insider if you will um who also i guess uh, sort of part-time works for dexerto um reporting on the overwatch league and maybe a few other leagues i'm not sure um but anyways he puts this out and relatively quickly i'd say um there was a statement made by the uh team manager of uh the toronto defiance stella stella park i believe her name is um it was relatively pr and i think that's what a lot of people were quick to point out aaron included um they they very much were like oh classic you know traditional PR statement and you're saying something without really saying anything but there was also a statement made by Adam Adamu who we all know is the CSO of uh, Overactive Media the company that owns the Toronto Defiant as well as the Toronto Ultra as well as a few other uh, different esports teams and he very quickly said I've heard of no such thing um, I'm basically he said I'm returning from a vacation so I've heard of no such thing uh, but we'll get to the bottom of this and I think Reading the comments on that was interesting as well because people were quick to, ho-ho, you know, typical GM who doesn't know what's going on with his own team. And if you know the organization at all, I think you know that Adam isn't necessarily involved on that kind of a level. Um, Yes, he may be in a position to approve, decline, move pieces and things like that. Um, But having interviewed him on Ready, Set, Pwn and talked to him off the record and things like that, I definitely don't think that he uh would be shy about talking about these kind of things were they in actuality happening um yes i think there is probably some truth to be told here there's probably some truth behind the fact that yeah you know muse and finale probably weren't too happy with what was going on or maybe personalities were were clashing they were butting heads with uh, coach kdg something wasn't going right there um there's probably some truth behind that But I could also definitely see it being, you know, oh, a player said, I've had enough and got up and walked away from their keyboard in a in a fit of rage. And, and somebody heard that and then they passed on word and then that word got passed on to Aaron and suddenly you have Muse and Finale requesting trades. Um, It would be shocking to me, first of all, if they were in that position. I don't know that uh, many teams have been uh, super open about uh, looking for more players or anything like that. Now, obviously, the players and organizations are more connected than, say, myself or yourself. Um, so there's certainly an element where, yeah, maybe Muse is talking to another coach, maybe he's talking to another team, and and he has heard that there's an opening or that they might be interested. And so he's saying, well, I'm not getting along with my head coach. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and make this happen. Maybe there's some truth there. The finale part is a bit more of a question mark to me. Because if I'm not mistaken, yes, we were seeing Finale play quite a bit, and he was also doing quite well. I think that was that was is probably a bit of the the thorn there. When they brought in Although, it did raise a bit of a question mark because Although was not playing with the team. He was playing, I think, from Dallas is what I heard. Um, he actually he got a visa to get into America before he could get a Canadian one, so he actually was in Dallas um, playing in the the same stadium uh, or or facility that the Dallas Fuel play in, or something to that extent. So there was a bit of a question mark, why Why are you playing although over Finale, who's been great and that kind of thing. But I also think that, you know, every team wants a chance to test different things out and, and work with all of their players. Um, 
you know, we do see even a team like Atlanta subbing out uh, Gator and Hawk occasionally and things like that, where it's just like, you know, you want everyone to be able to stretch their legs. And sometimes you have to make the call about which match is going to be the best uh, uh, time for that. Now, a part of the interesting uh, or, or a piece of the interesting puzzle here was that I think this came out after they had uh, Toronto had played Dallas, which, as we all know, Dallas 3-0'd them. It was a, pretty much a roll, um, and Dallas is a dominant team. I think a lot of people look at that situation and go, they should have played their, you know, their A string, their their number one line. They should have tried their best to stomp them. But I also kind of think maybe they were trying something that Dallas hadn't seen because I don't think Dallas would have seen although play at that point. So maybe they were thinking, oh, you know what? This is a player they haven't seen. They don't have scrim footage. They don't have uh, game footage of him playing. Let's try this because best case we win, worst case we lose and like sorry Toronto fans and myself included but you're probably going to lose anyways so yeah maybe they didn't put themselves in the best position to come out on top but in my mind best case I I think I had this in my predictions as a 3-1 I don't think many people would have said Toronto was going to beat Dallas anyways so you know you kind of do have to make those decisions about okay we want the team playing with all these players we're going to give them a shot here that kind of thing now obviously I don't know the inner workings I don't know what I'm what's going on that we're not hearing um I do think there's some truth behind this. As I mentioned, uh, there was probably some disagreements or probably some squabbles or probably some heated heated words or, or some tempers flaring and things like that. And that does become problematic. Um, but I also think that you have to kind of trust the organization to do the best with what they've got and also handle the issues as they arise. Every team and every professional player in any professional capacity, even in many amateur capacities, is going to have bumps along the way, especially if they're building up to be something greater than maybe they are at the very moment. So I don't know. I I didn't put too much stock behind this. Um, Like I say, being a part of the Toronto community, um, Toronto Defiant community, rather, there was a lot of hullabaloo around this and a lot of people ready to burn it all down and a lot of people losing their minds and stuff. I strongly believe you, you know, if, if I were a betting man, I would bet that we hear nothing more of this and Muse and Finale play with the team for the rest of the season, and that's that. Um, I'd say I, I'd give it a 5% chance anything actually comes out of this or anyone really thinks about it again um, because I just I just think it's kind of a little bit of rumors and speculation. You know, how many teams does this happen to? How many teams say, or, or how many players get frustrated and upset when another player gets subbed out for them you know you have to expect that any good player wants to be playing and would be a little bit upset when this kind of thing happens so yes maybe it may have reached a breaking point yes maybe there were some tempers flaring and things like that but i don't think this is you know the house of cards falling down or anything like that so that's my thoughts on it we'll obviously wait to see more and uh, i'm sure aaron will be all over it if something breaks Let's move on over to dotesports.com with an article by Emily Morrow, posted on May 26th, which reads, Overwatch League Community Update provides more details about mid-season madness. The Overwatch League has released a new community update to keep OWL fans abreast of new changes. A video and blog post shared by the on the OWL website went into the detailed... Oh my gosh, I'm going to start that right over. A video and blog post shared on the OWL website went into the changes in detail. In the video, Overwatch League head Sean Miller and senior manager of product Matt Mr. X Morello discussed several updates for players and fans. 
First and foremost was an adjustment to the upcoming Mid-Season Madness tournament. Because of the recent spike of COVID-19 cases in mainland China and the potential for infection for travelers, teams participating in Mid-Season Madness will instead meet in Hawaii to play. The Owl is calling this a revival of Project Aloha, a Hawaii-based competition set up that originally took place in 2021 and allowed Owl teams from across the world to meet up and play more easily. East Region teams will not be traveling to Hawaii and will instead participate in qualifiers that begin on June 24th. The structure and format of the Mid-Season Madness are not changing. Both Mid-Season Madness qualifiers and tournament phases will be played on the last publicly available Overwatch 2 beta patch, which includes widespread adjustments to support heroes and a variety of balance updates to compensate for the new 5 vs. 5 format and the lack of two tanks. Between tournaments, the teams expects there to be major patches and balance updates for Overwatch 2. Finally, the Overwatch League will release unique legendary skins for each tournament cycle this year. Currently available is Luchador Reaper, which can be purchased in-game through June 25th. Whichever team wins the tournament will receive a remixed Luchador skin that features their colors and style. Four total legendary skins will be released alongside five remix skins that will show off the winner's colors after the Kickoff Clash, Summer Showdown, and Mid-Season Madness. So, obviously a little bit to talk about there. Um, a shame that we have to go back to Project Aloha. Obviously, everyone was really looking forward to the Mid-Season Madness Tournament. But ultimately, I think uh, the fact that they're releasing this now really shows how much more thought out and how much more uh, well-planned the league is uh, approaching things this, this season. Um, this is the kind of announcement that I think last season or the season before, definitely, we would have been getting weeks out from the Mid-Season Madness Tournament. Everyone would have been expecting to see these teams clash in person, um, and uh, then it would have been a huge disappointment right before the uh, tournament started. So I do applaud them for getting this out there, getting ahead of it, um, you know, getting the news out early, and uh, really just making that call, making the swift decision that, yeah, it sucks, but here's the situation in the world we live in, so this is what we've got to do. So, you know, uh, pat on the back for them for that. Now, the uh, Legendary Skins is kind of exciting. Obviously, I've already got the Luchador Reaper skin, um, but having those remixed ones is pretty cool because it uh, it gives us a chance to also then celebrate uh, the sort of winners of the, um, of the tournament cycle um, in a bit of a unique way uh, without... Um, without relying on or, or associating things too closely to obviously any individual players or things like that, which have caused issues in the past. So exciting stuff there. Um, if you haven't, go check this out uh, because they do have some sort of concept art of the Luchador skin that they're talking about there. And of course, you can find out all the information about Project Aloha and the mid-season madness uh, tournament style uh, or bracket, uh, whatever you want to call it, and everything like that over on the uh, Overwatch League website. So let's move on over to another article on DottieSports.com, this time written by Jalen Lopez on May 27th, which reads, Overwatch and Call of Duty League teams reportedly owe Activision Blizzard roughly $400 million in franchise payments. So that's exciting. Overwatch League and Call of Duty te League teams owe roughly $400 million in franchise payments, according to a report by Jacob Wolf. Oh, that's interesting. I actually didn't know this was by Jacob Wolf. And also, this is apparently on a website, jacobwolf.report. So... That's interesting. I knew Jacob Wolf left. Uh, I believe he was previously at uh, with Dot Esports. Actually, I didn't realize that he had left. Honestly, okay, that was a nice tangent. Let's read this article. Overwatch League and Call of Duty League teams owe roughly 400 million in franchise payments, according to a report by Jacob Wolf. 
Activision Blizzard is reportedly, quote, still owed between $390 and $420 million, end quote, from participating OWL and CDL teams after deferring payments for two years in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. OWL teams owe, quote, roughly six to seven and a half million each for a total of 120 to 150 million dollars, according to Wolf. CDL teams reportedly owe 22 and a half million each after only making the first payment to the league of 25, 2.5 million before the deferred payments were implemented. The annual payments for franchise teams in both leagues were deferred until fall 2022 and could potentially be, delay, be further delayed until early 2024, according to a report. The total cost for an OWL franchise is, quote, roughly $16 million, and the league, quote, reduced the debt owed to its team owed to it by its teams, leveling out franchise pricing for both the 12 inaugural teams who bought in in 2017 and eight expansion teams that joined in 2018, according to Wolf. OWL teams have already paid a significant amount, and Activision Blizzard has reportedly, quote, received close to $200 million in OWL franchise payments within the past five years. Former Activision Blizzard head of esports Brandon Snow considered, quote, waiving all outstanding franchise payments, but left the organization in February, according to the a report. To the report, sorry. Activision Blizzard is in the process of being acquired by Microsoft, and it's unlikely for any significant changes to payment terms to occur until the acquisition is finished in 2023. So there you go. That's, um, I don't know if it's a shocker. I feel like this is just something most people don't really consider. Um, you know, if I were to think about it, I would have just assumed the teams were kind of keeping up with their payments and, you know, all was hunky-dory. Um, obviously, operating a business is no small cost. And, you know, if teams were given the option to defer payments, um, in reality, why wouldn't they? So, sounds like uh, sounds like they have done so. Sounds like Activision Blizzard probably will not be letting them off the hook anytime soon. Um, there's a good chance, you know, even if they just defer it further, these companies will just further be in debt to Activision Blizzard and will hopefully eventually be paying that off. Um, but realistically, who knows? So anyways, just a bit of an interesting one there, a bit of an inside uh, baseball kind of story. Now, let's head on over to sportsnot.com. And I have to apologize because I cannot for the life of me figure out who writes the articles on this website. They do have like a credit here, but it appears to be the credit for the image, not the actual article. So this one says credit Bill Streicher, USA Today Sports. Um, so maybe Sportsnot is just like rounding up these articles, but I'll read this article anyways. Spark top fusion to gain top seed from East in Owl kickoff clash. This was of course posted on May 29th. That was yesterday as of recording. The Hangzhou Spark have defeated the Philadelphia Fusion 3-2 in a marathon match Sunday to advance from the qualifiers of the Overwatch League kickoff clash as the top seed in the East division. The Shanghai Dragons defeated the Seoul Dynasty 3-1, with both teams also moving to the quarterfinals, which will begin Thursday. The Chengdu Hunters, Los Angeles Valiant, and Guangzhou Charge were eliminated. The Fusion, who will be the fourth seed from the East in the quarterfinals, jumped to a lead against the Spark with a 2-1 win on Alios, but the Spark rebounded with close wins on the next two maps, 6-5 on Route 66 and 2-1 on King's Row, before the Fusion tied the match with a 1-0 victory on Coliseo. The Sparks' 2-1 victory on Lijiang Tower propelled them to the match win and the top seed in the quarterfinals. In their match, the Dynasty took a 2-1 victory over on the opening map, Oasis, but the Dragons battled back to win 1-0 on Watchpoint Gibraltar, 3-2 on Eichenwald, and 1-0 on Coliseo to capture the division. 
Also Sunday, the Valiant defeated the Hunters 3-1 in a match that had no impact on the quarterfinals. The Valiant won 2-0 on Lijiang Tower, 3-2 on Midtown, and 1-0 on New Queen Street, while the Hunters had a 3-1 victory on Dorado. Overwatch League kickoff clash standings with win-loss record, map differential, and league points. And then they list the entire standings of the league, which I'll talk about in a little bit. So... Anyways, just a bit of a nice recap of what happened in the East region this past weekend uh, to figure out the seeding for the um, Kickoff Clash tournament in the East. I'm also now going to read a little bit about the West. So this is also from Sportsnet. This time it says credit Neil Streiberg via Imogen Content Services LLC, which again makes me think that that is credit for the image and not who wrote this. This was published on May 29th uh, and reads, Dallas Fuel wrap up second seed in West. The Dallas Fuel, Fuel sorry, defeated the Boston Uprising 3-0 Sunday to lock themselves into the second seed in the West Division at the Overwatch League kickoff clash. Dallas won 1-0 on New Queen Street on the first map of the day, then followed that up with a 3-2 win on Dorado and a 3-0 win on Kings Row to wrap up the victory. The Fuel finished 5-1 in qualifying play to finish a game back of the San Francisco Shock, the number one seed in the West. Los Angeles Gladiators earned the third seed by sweeping the Atlanta Reign 3-0 on Sunday. Atlanta still made the kickoff clash tournament barely above the cutoff line in seventh. The Gladiators cruised, winning 1-0 on New Queen Street, 1-0 on Circuit Royale, and 2-1 on King's Row. Following Sunday's action, the top three seeds got to choose who they would face in the first round of next week's tournament. San Francisco chose the 8th place Washington Justice, Dallas chose the 6th place Toronto Defiant, and Los Angeles chose the 5th place Houston Outlaws, leaving the number 4 seed Florida Mayhem with the 7th place Atlanta Reign. So there you go, a bit of a recap of this past weekend's matches in the Western region. And of course, I wanted to do that because... I actually did not get to watch barely any Overwatch League this past weekend. Um, I was on a personal trip, at a wedding, company retreat, all that jazz. Busy, busy weekend. So I actually didn't really get to watch any of these matches. Um, and then I actually had uh, the Monday off where I normally recap, sort of uh, watch some highlight matches. And I didn't even have a chance to do that because I was busy as well. Um, so there's a good chance I'm not going to get to watch any of these matches from this past weekend. But onward and upward, as they say, right? So... With that, that is the end of the news segment of the show. Now I'm actually going to jump on over to the OWL recap, where I will quickly recap uh, the games that happened this past weekend. Obviously, I won't have a ton of insight, but I'll give you the scores and maybe talk just a teensy bit about some of them. I did catch uh, moments here and there and that kind of thing. But anyways, let's let's move on. Again. All right. So let's start things off by jumping over to the scores from Thursday, May 26th. So... The Seoul Dynasty 3-0'd the Philadelphia Fusion. After that, the Hangzhou Spark 3-1 against the Chengdu Hunters. And the Shanghai Dragons took a 3-2 win over the Guangzhou Charge. Following that, on Friday the 27th, we continued things in the Eastern Region, with the Chengdu Hunters taking a 3-1 win over Philly. So Philly having two losses there this weekend already. Then the Guangzhou Charge lost uh, 3-0 to the Seoul Dynasty. So Seoul coming out on top with two wins that weekend already. And finally, the Shanghai Dragons also capped two wins with a 3-2 victory over the Los Angeles Valiant. Moving on over to the Western region, Friday's games kicked off with the Los Angeles Gladiators taking a 3-1 win over the London Spitfire, the Toronto Defiant taking a 3-1 win over the New York Excelsior, and the San Francisco Shock taking a 3-1 win over Vancouver, which, I'll be honest, shocking that they didn't get 3-0'd, uh, Vancouver that is, 
So I have to assume something went incredibly well for Vancouver uh, in their map win. If I take a quick look at the uh, the map breakdown here, looks like they won on Eichenwald. Interesting. Coliseo was a 1-0 map for San Francisco. Uh, Circuit Royale went 2-1 in favor of San Francisco, and then the Vancouver Titans took Eichenwald 1-0. I do wonder what happened there, although if I'm thinking back, I'm pretty sure I saw online some, some squabbling about a C9 and things like that, so maybe San Francisco got a little overconfident, shot themselves in the foot a little bit there, but I digress. Vancouver, great job getting that single map. Moving on from there, Saturday, May 28th, the matches in the East started with the Hangzhou Spark taking a 3-0 win over the Guangzhou Charge. The Shanghai Dragons took a 3-1 win over the Chengdu Hunters, and the Philadelphia Fusion, bouncing back, took a 3-1 win over the Los Angeles Valiant. We then went over to the West, where the London Spitfire came out with a surprising 3-2 win over the Atlanta Reign. So, good job, great job for them. The Houston Outlaws then took a 3-2 win over Paris, which I will also applaud Paris for that. Um, seemingly, they did very well uh, on, on two of those maps. I have to assume that was kind of a close match, and... Good for Paris, not great for Houston, though, that's for sure. Uh, the final match on Saturday was, of course, the Florida Mayhem taking on the Washington Justice, and I'm very, very, very happy to see Florida coming out on top with a 3-1 to win. Finally, we move on to Sunday, May 29th, where the Shanghai Dragons kicked things off in the East by beating the Seoul Dynasty 3-1. The Los Angeles Valiant then, I believe, got their first win of the season with a 3-1 win over the Chengdu Hunters. And finally, the Hangzhou Spark uh, managed to overcome the Philadelphia Fusion with a 3-2 win. And that takes us to our final West Region games for the weekend, which saw the Dallas Fuel 3-0, the Boston Uprising, and the Los Angeles Gladiators 3-0, the Atlanta Reign. So, some exciting matches this past weekend. Um, honestly, seems like the East had a lot of exciting stuff going on with Shanghai 3-2 over the Guangzhou Charge, Shanghai 3-2 over the Los Angeles Valiant. Um, you know, scrolling down, that London Spitfire win over at the Atlanta Rain must have been pretty exciting and huge for London, uh, as was probably the Houston Outlaws versus Paris Eternal squeaking out that win. Um, but again, good for Paris, you know, seemingly on the up and up, seemingly making making the right moves and, and starting to overcome some challenges. Um and that kind of thing. And then, of course, the Hangzhou Spark edging out the Philadelphia Fusion 3-2. So a few exciting games this past weekend. Uh, too bad that I didn't get to watch any of them. But ultimately, I'm just glad I didn't miss the kickoff clash. So I think that now that we're through that, we're actually going to hop on over. And we're going to do some pick'ems. Again. And again. All right. So I think we're going to start with the East region here. And give me one sec while I adjust my screen so that I can see what the standings are in the East right now. So um, first things first, let's look at the actual tournament brackets. So we're going to start things off on June 3rd, which is, what is that, Friday? Friday, uh, in the East at least, where the Hangzhou Spark will take on the Philadelphia Fusion. The winner of that match goes on to play the winner of the Shanghai Dragons against the Seoul Dynasty. And then, of course, the losers go into the losers bracket, play a losers round, uh, uh, play two losers rounds to play the winner of the winners final, um, and finally crown a winner. So that's interesting. So Hangzhou Spark against Philly Fusion. 
Philly currently sitting three and three, even though they got off to a stellar start, and the Hangzhou Sparks sitting five and one. Now, obviously, this past weekend um, did show us a little bit of the uh, seemingly the um, what am I looking for here? I was I was I was actually looking for the standings here, but I don't have them up on my screen. Um, Philly showing a little bit of weakness, it seems like uh, not quite the powerhouse that they started the season off as when I think they got most of their wins. And if we look at just this past weekend, as I mentioned, they lost to Seoul, they lost to Chengdu, um, they won against the Valiant, and then they lost against Hangzhou, and, and that's who they're going to play this first round. I think I got to give this match to the Hangzhou Spark, not Hangzhou, I hate when I say it like that, but the Hangzhou Spark, but what does it end up being? I think this could be a 3-2. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Philly the credit they deserve. It could be a 3-2. This really, 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 um, this could go either way. I'll be honest. I truly believe this could go either way. Yeah, certainly not as, uh, I was going to say not as one-sided as the other match, but I honestly don't think either of these matches are going to be that one-sided. Uh, our next matchup is the Seoul Dynasty taking on the Shanghai Dragons. And if we look at this past weekend's games, um, Shanghai, well, Seoul beat Philly, Shanghai beat Guangzhou, Seoul beat Guangzhou, Shanghai beats the Valiant, um, Shanghai beats Chengdu, so Shanghai beats Seoul. Oh, okay, okay. The pieces could be falling into place. So Shanghai is sitting at a 5-1 and one record while Seoul is sitting at a 4-2. and two. So there is only one, uh, one win separating the two teams at this very moment. But it does seem like Shanghai is probably the, the team to beat um, outside of the Hangzhou Spark, of course. I'm going to say, it feels awkward to say because this matches are never this close, but I'm going to say both these matches are 3-2, um, you know, which which puts Philadelphia Fusion and the Seoul Dynasty in the loser's bracket there. Um, and then which team comes out on top there? Let's see. Seoul beat Philly on Thursday, and that's tough. That's tough. That's looking real tough and real bad for the Philadelphia Fusion. I'm going to give it to Seoul. Man, they 3-0'd them. That shocks me. I'm going to say Philly shows up and at least takes one map. So I, I'm going to give it to Seoul, say they take it 3-1. Now back up in the winner's round, we have the Hangzhou Spark taking on the Shanghai Dragons. Now what's curious about this is who did Shanghai lose to? If I'm not mistaken, that was the first week of play, um, or the first week of, of Eastern Region play, which... Bear with me here, because I think that was week three. Uh, so I'm just going to click over there and let it load for a second here. Uh, Philly beat... Oh, Philly was the one that beat Shanghai. Huh. That's interesting, because I don't have Philly playing Shanghai. <laughs> I, w I couldn't remember who it was, but I was I was wondering if it was the Hangzhou spark. But obviously it was not. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Shanghai takes this in a 3-2 fashion. That's going to put the Seoul Dynasty playing the Hangzhou Spark in our elimination round. And I'm going to say that. Oof, interesting. Can the Hangzhou Spark beat the Seoul Dynasty? Let's see who they're playing. So Hangzhou beat the Chengdu Hunters. Uh, no, no. This is tough, man. I don't know. Hangzhou did beat Philly, which I'm saying Seoul is also going to beat. This is really a gamble. I have not watched enough of these teams. I'm giving it 3-2 to the Spark, and I'm just, 
I'm just hoping that I'm correct there. And then I'm going to say the Shanghai Dragons take it. Oh, man. Four to three. I think it's going to be close. I really haven't watched a lot of Shanghai this season, so I really don't know. I'm just hoping that Shanghai manages to take it. So anyways, that's our Eastern region. Now let's take a look at our region that I actually know a little something about, okay? Does that sound good to everyone? I think that sounds good. Let's jump on over to our Western region, where we're first going to look at the winner's round. So winner's round number one sees the Washington Justice take on the San Francisco Shock. I think San Francisco is going to roll Washington 3-0. Then the Florida Mayhem take on the Atlanta Reign. Now, this is a rematch from the first week of games, if I'm not mistaken, which is awesome. I love when this kind of thing happens. Um, and I'm giving this match to the Florida Mayhem. I think they can, I think they've learned a lot. I think they got 3-1 in the first week of play by the Atlanta Reign. I think that they can outplay Atlanta. I think they've gained some important experience, um, and I think they can take this match. However, Atlanta, and Atlanta on top of that has been on the downswing. Atlanta seems to be struggling lately, but I think Atlanta's going to come out of Raren, ready to go. I'm going to give it to Florida, though, 3-2, which puts the San Francisco Shock taking on the Florida Mayhem. I'm being generous here. I think I'm going to put a 3-1 for San Francisco, which puts Florida... I don't know. I don't know if Florida gets that map. That's tough. I think San Francisco is going to show up in full force. I'm giving it to San Francisco 3-0. That's, it's unfortunate, but that's what I'm doing. So that's your winner's round one and round two. Now let me go back to winner's round one, where the Houston Outlaws take on the Los Angeles Gladiators. And I think the Glads are going to take this. I'll give Houston a map and say it's the 3-1. Then the Dallas Fuel are going to take on the Toronto Defiant, which, as I mentioned before, is another rematch of what was an abysmal match. I'm going to give Toronto the benefit of the doubt here and give them one map. I'm going to say Dallas takes it 3-1. That brings us to winners round two, where the Los Angeles Gladiators will take on the Dallas Fuel. I think Dallas will come out on top. This is another, ooh, this is another rematch. Oh man, this is going to be a good tournament. This is another rematch from not this past weekend, but the weekend before, where Dallas managed to reverse sweep the Gladiators. So you know the Gladiators are going to be out for revenge. You know they're going to be coming in hot. You know they've been studying for this. Um... But ultimately, I just, I believe in Dallas Fuel supremacy, and I'm going to put the Dallas Fuel taking it in a 3-2 to two fashion. Now, let's take a look at our losers bracket next. Uh, the elimination bracket, sorry. So if we jump down to our elim bracket, which kicks off on Friday, um, after, uh, after, yeah, after those two winner's round games that I already talked about, um, we're going to see the Washington Justice take on the Atlanta Reign. Oh, that's tough. I'm giving it to Atlanta because I hate Washington. I'm going to give it to them 3-1. Although there's a chance, there's a definite chance Washington squeaks this one out. But whatever, that's what I'm putting it as. We then have the Toronto Defiant taking on the Houston Outlaws. We know Toronto can beat Houston. I'm going to put it as 3-2 though. I th mm. If Houston loses one, I think they're kind of boomed. I'm giving it to Toronto 3-1. I'm doing a 3-1. That means we then get to Saturday where we first start off with, what do we got? Our elimination round two games. So the Atlanta Reign take on the Florida Mayhem in yet another rematch. I'm going to give it to Florida again. Three, I'm going to say Atlanta gets boomed at this point and give it to Florida 3-1. 
The Los Angeles Gladiators take on the Toronto Defiant now, which I believe is the first time this season. And I'm going to give it to the Glads 3-1. to one. Then we have our winner's round three match, which is the San Francisco Shock taking on the Dallas Fuel. I think San Francisco will take this, but I am hopeful that Dallas will put up a good fight and it'll be a nice 3-2. And that brings us to our only Saturday match, which sees the Florida Mayhem take on the Los Angeles Gladiators. And unfortunately, this is where I think my Florida Mayhem fall out of the bracket, and it goes 3-1 to the Los Angeles Gladiators. Now that then means we have another rematch of the Los Angeles Gladiators taking on the Dallas Fuel. And once again, I believe in Dallas supremacy. I'm giving it to them three. I think the Glads at this point, they could be on a hot streak, but I don't give them that much credit. I think it's going to be a 3-1. And that brings us to our final on Sunday, first to four, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. I think that's Mountain Time. We see the San Francisco Shock take on the Dallas Fuel in a match that I think... I'm hopeful is a banger and another, well, I was going to say another 3-2 for the San Francisco Shock, but a 4-2 for the San Francisco Shock. I'm going to save those preds. Your bracket predictions cannot be modified once you click submit predictions. Are you sure? Submit predictions. Done. That's it. That's it. I'm locking that in. Those are my preds, and that is what it is. Oof, that seems rough. There's a lot of, a lot of good stuff in there, but a lot of good matches. A lot of exciting stuff, so hopefully all goes well. Now, with that, that actually brings us to the end of the show. So I think we'll uh, head on over to the outro. <laughs> all right, well, that brings us to the end of episode 74. So, of course, thank you so much for listening. I am, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can follow me on all socials, but especially over on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can reach out to me on Twitter. You can DM me. You can tweet at me, whatever you've got there. Bring me questions, comments, concerns, topics, inquiries, whatever you've got for the show um, as it relates to the Overwatch League, Overwatch, Overwatch 2, the beta, uh, or video games in general, because I like to chat. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. And of course, if you love the sultry sound of my voice, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, uh, your premier source for everything, Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. You can get the podcast everywhere on all podcast services and you should definitely check out the most recent episode of ready set pone because of course we did actually manage to land an interview with the one and only the illustrious sean miller of the overwatch league uh, head of the overwatch league it was a great interview he was a super nice guy and i can't thank him enough for stopping by the show so thank you so much to him um, and ready set pone obviously for the opportunity to be a part of that that's all we've got for today so keep it classy. And of course, check out One Man Watchpoint and Ready, Set, Pwn every Wednesday on podcast services everywhere. You honor me.